In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Six days later, and the passage quickly moves up the mountain while we are still wondering six days after what? It must matter, since the writer mentions it. We hear seven a lot, 40, 12, but six days. We are six days after Peter answers Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? And Peter first gave voice to the basic Christian conviction. In Jesus, we see the living presence of God. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus affirms the answer and promises to build a church on that conviction. The problem is that he went on to tell the disciples that they were going to Jerusalem, where he would be betrayed, condemned, and put to death. Peter had spoken the truth, and he was convinced he had the truth, and so convinced that he was ready to argue with Jesus. This will never happen to you. Rejection, suffering, death, that's not part of what it means to be the living presence of God. So this is six days after Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan and goes on then to explain discipleship, take up your cross and follow me. Peter's world had been turned upside down twice in the truth he put into words and in the truth that silenced him. He found a hope beyond imagination and his safety had been threatened. And for fuller context, it was only a little while since John the Baptist had been beheaded. And Jesus had fed 4,000, 5,000 with a handful of bread and a few fish. And the whole journey they had taken with Jesus after leaving their fishing boats, it had only been a year, maybe two. It had been a lot. And then from you are the Christ to there is a cross ahead of us. Six days later sets this moment at a place in Peter's life and the lives of the disciples. Hope and exhilaration, dismay at the death of John the Baptist, confusion at Jesus' teaching and ministry keeps surprising them, and then this moment when what they had known opened to reveal far more than they could have imagined. Jesus was in resplendent beauty. Moses, who had led them from slavery into the covenant, Elijah, the greatest of prophets, it is hard for us to conceptualize glory. Peter, James, and John looked directly into it on that mountain. It is good to be here. And it is good when those moments come and we grasp clearly the presence of God. It is good when we are caught up in wonder, love, and praise. There are moments in worship maybe the quiet prayers after communion, the words, the music of some hymn, and it can happen in so many other places where life's beauty and the blessings of our life are apparent, even when strength given by grace lets us stand in sorrow or suffering. There are moments when it is good to be here, when here lets us stand in the presence of God. The other disciples, 
The other gospel writers take Peter to task for his impulse to start setting up camp on the mountain, but Matthew lets his suggestion stand without direct criticism. When you set this moment in context, what happened six days ago, six months ago, of all that Peter and the disciples had been asked to give up and all that they had found, of course, they wanted this moment to last. In this astonishing moment, they saw Jesus, everything they knew about him already, and more than they had yet recognized. It is good to be here, and it would be better to be here longer. So I am on Team Peter. Let's set things up so we can stay at least for a while. And then, as wondrous as Jesus' shining face might have been, surpassing even the brilliance of Elijah and Moses appearing, there is a dazzling cloud and a luminous darkness enveloping them. This cloud of glory is always an image of the Holy Spirit, just as a dove or flames of fire might be, and this glory embraced them. The voice of the Father sounds over the Son, and the Holy Spirit rests on them. The voice, infinitely quieter perhaps, but far more gentle, but the same voice that had said, let there be light. It was the same voice that spoke over the Son's head at the baptism in Jordan, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. And that left all three disciples on, their, on the ground in awe that was close to terror. None of us are ever far from the presence of God, even if we don't realize it. But those disciples stood before the full beatific vision that will be the culmination of our journey. We rightly bow our heads in prayer. We pause in front of the altar where we encounter the sacramental presence. Those three disciples saw and heard more than earth can contain. This is my beloved. Listen to him. And that was the moment that left the three disciples face down on the ground in fear and in awe. You see, I want a chart and a scheme a plan and a diagram. I want to understand and to get definitions settled. Let me take the class on theology or do the spiritual exercises, whatever it takes to get a handle on this and grasp it, I will do. But we are closer, we are closer to the living God than any system or project or scheme can convey. I get Peter, let me stop the moving, unfolding pilgrimage that is Christian life until I can comprehend it, until my questions are answered. And when I understand, and when the questions are settled, that's enough. It is good to be here, let's just stop. There's nothing wrong with good theology and a lot wrong with bad theology, and persistent spiritual practice is a good thing. Unless they become attempts to force it all into something I can manage or even control. When the apostle wrote, we do not follow cleverly devised myths, he might have been throwing shade on elaborate stories of Roman or Greek gods, or he might have been throwing shade on our need to manage the faith, to reduce the ineffable mystery of God's own being to something clever or coherent or manageable. God's word spoken into this world and addressed to each one of us is not a code or a system, 
It is not the answer to a riddle or some formula to be memorized. It is the word made flesh. We are called to know, worship, and obey the Lord Jesus. To know a person. And like knowing anyone, that will take time. And the changes in our life will change what we can know about the person. To know Jesus means that we are known. If we come to love him, it is because we begin to grasp that he has first and always loved us. If we find ourselves able to obey him, it is because we see in him the best and complete image of what we might be. We stand before his glory and begin to sense what possibility God's grace opens in our lives. We stand before his glory, and for all that lies beyond our understanding, there is light for our journey, even when we would rather stop and stay here. We do not follow clever myths and the apparatus of glory. The cloud, the sounding voice, Elijah, Moses, they all fade away. Jesus pulls us up from our moment of awe and confusion, of wonder and overwhelming fear. Jesus sets us on our feet, and what he says is the one thing we need to hear. Get up and do not be afraid. There are times when the gospel seems to be like a gospel song with a refrain that keeps repeating, that draws us all in after each verse again and again. Fear not, do not be afraid. That's what the angels sang on Christmas night. That's what the angels say on Easter morning to the women. Do not be afraid. It's where all this glory and these moments of wonder are headed. Do not be afraid. Six days later, well, whatever happened in your life over the last week or the last few months or years, this morning and in this place, Jesus calls you into this brilliant light. The voice will be modulated to our limited hearing, the brilliance of God's glory dimmed so that we can bear it, but that voice speaks to us in this place, and if our hearts are troubled or our conscience burdened, we are taken by the hand and those words lift us up, do not be afraid. There is a light that shines here that makes us see the familiar more clearly so that we can face the unfamiliar future that lies ahead. It is good to be here, but we cannot stay here. There is a brilliance and a beauty in what Peter, James, and John find on the mountain and what we find here, and it comes from God's own presence, not our clever ideas or imaginative efforts. The good news is that God's presence is already ahead of us. Even if our ideas or imagination can't reach the future, God's grace is already there. But today, we will get up off our knees and turn back towards our work and responsibilities, towards the changes and chances of this mortal life. It is good to be here, but we are called onward. There is work to do and other mountaintop moments to encounter. 
Even if we do not tell it all, as Jesus cautioned them at the end of the story, even if we do not tell it all, we do need to speak and to live something of what we have seen and found here. There are places where we can be light, and there are people around us who need to hear, do not be afraid, and unless we act and speak, they will not hear it. Do not be afraid. It is our message, and it is the gift we carry. It is good to be here. And because we have been here, we can go on, knowing that what we have seen and what we will see is God's grace in the light of Jesus' presence, now, in the future, and in God's eternity. Amen.